0: Welcome to this edition of DCS Talks, a podcast production of the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The intention of DCS Talks is to promote dialogue among child welfare professionals, foster parents, and the entire community about ways to prevent child abuse and neglect. I'm Serena Wilson, a training manager at DCS, and I'm your host for this edition. Today, I'm very excited to be interviewing Rosie Heath, who is a deputy compact administrator for the Interstate Compact on the Placement of Children, otherwise known as ICPC, here at the Department of Children's Services. Many people may not be aware about what ICPC is, and that's why we asked Ms. Heath to join us today. Ms. Heath oversees the ICPC process that ensures safety, protection, and services to children in foster care who are placed across state lines. Ms. Heath has a long career in child welfare, including case management, supervision, program management, and more. We're very happy to have her here today at DCS Talk. Rosie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I really appreciate you asking. Yeah. So can you tell us about your current role with DCS and then tell us about your background in child welfare?
1: Okay. So as you mentioned, currently I'm the Deputy Compact Administrator for our Interstate Compact with the Department of Children's Services. I've been in this role since about um, November of last year, and prior to that, I actually was the Program Manager in the unit, so I assisted our then uh, DCA Care. Davis. So I've been doing ICPC on and off for probably the last five to six years. So currently I supervise our ICPC staff and there's six staff that are, are program specialists in me. Prior to that, oh my goodness, I think this is my, I always forget, it's either my 27th or 28th year. I think I'm going into my <laughs> 28th year, I think.
0: All right.
1: Uh, I've done, you know I've done it. So I've done, uh-huh. it. I've done oh, I started with CPF, actually went over to the Department of Human Services. I went from there to the adoption unit. Great, great position, work in adoption, yeah. I social services, I supervised juvenile justice, uh, that one's not my forte, so I, don't, I take a lot of fame on that one, and, but again, I did, I back into adoptions and actually CPS, I've done do process reviews, where if you've been indicated for child abuse, I've done those reviews, I can implement in our assessment unit, the FAST assessment, I actually, oh, trained wow. state. yeah, that was a lot of fun, and I trained all state caseworkers on the FAST assessment when it first came out. And then I found right back into the Ad Adoption Program and was recently supervising what we call post-adoptions, which is our Access to Adoption. We still have a little communication with those folks and miss them greatly um, because, you know, but all this experience really helps play into ICPC because we do it all. We work with the right. staff, we work with foster parents. I just got off the phone with the foster parents. We do, of course, foster care, adoptions and all that good stuff. All that really helps play into this.
0: Wow, I bet it, it does. does. It's, it's amazing. how. Many many different experiences (laughs) really did prepare you to go into overseeing ICPC. It did. It really did. That's great. So tell us about the interstate compact on the placement of children. I I know it's very complex, and could you provide a brief
1: overview for our listeners? Sure. Complex is a really good word uh, for (laughs) ICPC. (laughs) Our state has several compacts, actually. Um, There's a compact for our children that and we have our ICJ for our juvenile delinquent. Um, so ICPC, as you mentioned earlier, ensures that safety and protection. We want to like, make sure that our children that are used to cross state lines are receiving those same services. So if they were, you know, in a foster home or with a parent on the street, and we're making sure that they're receiving their services and maybe doing a permanency plan with them. We want to make sure that just because they're out of state, they're receiving those same services if somebody's assisting them with that. So I, I thought I'd give you a little bit of history about Interstate Compact because a lot of people will ask me, what is it and why do we have yeah. it It's actually a statutory law and so you can find it in our statute. It's actually in, I believe, 36, 1, 200 So it's actually a law. So it's a compact that all 50 states have signed into, including D.C. and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So we have 50 jurisdictions and I always say if anybody needs a home visit for the Virgin Islands, I will be happy to do that. <laughs> so yeah. you. Yes. And so we can't about actually in the late 1950s, there was some concerns, some social workers in some of the eastern states kind of were concerned that we might place a child across the state line. A lot of small states up there, New York, New Jersey, those kind of things. And back then you had to think we didn't have much of a communication system we might place with granny from her state to the other, and she may or may not have a telephone. So there became some concerns about our children being placed out of state. By 1960, actually New York signed the first agreement; they were the first state. And by 1990, all 52 jurisdictions had signed. What that allows us to do, we all kind of talk the same bourbon to all states, all 52 jurisdictions, and we all work to the same goal, permanent for that children. We can wow. state laws a little bit. We do things a little bit different here and D in other states, so they might practice things a little bit different. But we actually all do the same thing. All of our forms are the same. Um, so therefore, we can we send the same forms to one state. They receive to us and it really help these children reach permanent because, like I said, we're all working for that. So it is a statutory law and we do have to abide by it. So a lot of people will question, you know, why? Why, why do we have to do it? But it, it is a compact, it is an agreement and we stay in so much communication with one state to the other. So we're all, all there helping these children.
0: That's amazing that there is this great standard process? So all the children in the United States that come under this purview are going to, they're going to be speaking the same language, the professionals that are serving them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are all the states similar in the way that they administer ITC, or are they different? They're pretty
1: much similar now. Like I said, we, all of us have different policies. Uh, one of the things that has Tennessee stand out a little bit for most of the other states, we will do an expedited placement here, so maybe granny or the neighbor, we call these kinship placements, could be you know, a teacher or somebody that the child's familiar with, we consider them kinship, and we will do an expedited, a 1620, make them a foster placement, but then within 120 days, that kinship has to become a full-fledged foster parent for the state of Tennessee. So if we have a child come and from the state of Kentucky and they're gonna be placed with their grandmother here in in Tennessee, we'll do that same thing. We'll do that kinship, that 1620, get that child placed, but that granny then would become a foster parent for the state of Tennessee. You have to do those 10 key classes and meet all those requirements. Not all states do that. So some states have relatives. You have to actually be a blood relative to be considered a relative. They might have that kinship. And some of them don't require them to become foster parent uh, as we do. So that's one of the bigger differences in Tennessee. Uh, okay. We still talk the same language. We have the same request. We've asked relative relativity. If we need to in another state, then we're going to ask for a foster study. Okay. So basically we all talk the same language, but we all do a little bit each state. So what are some examples of
0: types of out-of-state placements that may fall under ICPC?
1: Okay. ICPC basically deals with four types of placements. One of them is preliminary to an adoption. So we all, if we're talking about a foster child, and maybe they're ready for adoption. And we are looking for recruiting outside of the state of Tennessee. We may select a family in another state, which is awesome. My work goes quite a bit, I've got a lot of those going on right now. And we want to make sure if we place this child with this other family in another state, that there's going to be somebody supervising them, and that adoption piece is going to continue. So it's a preliminary to adoption. A lot of people don't realize that we actually do private adoptions as well. So a big part of our caseload is a birth parent wants to surrender their child, their baby, their newborn, doesn't even have to be a newborn to be a child, and maybe they find another family in another state, or they're working with a private agency, an adoption agency, and they've located a family in another state. All of those actually come through our office. Whether or not the baby's coming out of Tennessee or the baby's coming into Tennessee, we still want to make sure they're going to a home that's going to be supervised and that we're monitored before the adoption. So that's one of our placement types. Another winter home, a regular foster home, that's our most familiar one I get. Uh, We're looking for foster home for our child. Uh, we mm-hmm. also monitor <laughs> homes and community homes and wilderness programs. Uh, there again, if you're foster, you have a foster child that needs to go to a residential treatment facility, gonna come through us. We want to make sure somebody at that facility meets this child's needs right, and their behaviors. Those can also be private. So if you as a parent want to place your child or your child has some needs or behaviors that maybe needs to be treated in a facility, you might find a facility out of state that meets the child's needs or maybe giving your your insurance will only pay for certain facilities, and those also come through us. So we have a lot of private and independent place wells.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: yeah, we, we get a lot of people don't realize that. But again, just because your child's not in foster care, we want to make sure your child's receiving all the services that they need. Right. to the doctor and all those kinds of good things.
0: Right, and sure.
1: And of course, places for relatives and parents. You know, we have a lot of parents that live out of state, or we've done diligent searches and we found relatives out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going really to come really into play if it's that parent is not making the placement. So, you know, you as a parent, you have the right to say, I want my child to go stay with your grandpa in Florida. And we do that a lot, especially during the summer, you know, during your usual times, we might do that. And you have a right to do that. But if there's some reason that you as a parent can't make that decision, whether the court has been involved with you or there could be a gas referral or something that's going on to where you may not be able to make that decision, we also work those like places. We'll work for the court as well. And then our last one is just adjudicated delinquents. I mentioned the other one, the other compact for ICJ for juvenile delinquents. Um, if they're going residential treatment facility those come through our office as well that so we want to make sure if some other states send in a child here that has charges we want to see what those charges are and we want to know make sure that this child will be watched and monitored here in the state of b and vice versa so those are kind of our four types of placements that it um, falls under their purpose
0: and there seems like there could be so many different situations and so many different ways that it applies. It, I'm sure there's a lot of regulations associated with ICPC.
1: There are a lot of regulations, and we get so many questions, and we never mind if you email us or call us and say, this is what I've got going on. Does this need to go through ICPC? And sometimes we really have to talk about it, and we, we have to discuss with our legal and, and maybe the other state. We call the other state and ask them their opinions, too. So, ICPC, to keep us all regulated we do have... Well, regulations that keeps us all working the same path, and just depending on what you're asking for, whether it's an approved foster parent that might be relocating and taking the child, or mom is relocating and taking the child, or you have an emergency situation and you need to get this child that's in foster care. They maybe they just came in today, and you need to get in placed with a relative, you know, in Florida tomorrow. Our regulations really keep us all working the same, and keep. All the states, again, mm-hmm. speaking that uniform language and those those
0: forms are all the same. There are a lot of things that go into ensuring safety and well-being and that a child is getting services. And we make referrals to other states, and other states make referrals to us. What are some examples of kinds of things that a state may ask us to do to ensure that safety, protection, and, and well-being for a child that's in ICP?
1: Okay. Okay. Our staff, we hold about 2,000 IVPC requests. So we have a huge case. Of that. Um, and it's probably about 50. So about half of them are Tennessee children that we're asking to maybe place out of state. And then half of them are other states that they're asking to place in Tennessee, whether it's with a relative, a foster parent, or a residential or an adopted place. So the one thing we're going ask if another state is wanting to place a child here, the first thing we're going to do learn all we can about that child. And then we're going to ask our local, whatever that placement might be residing, let's say, if they're in Davidson County, we're going to ask them to go out and do some type of a home study on this family. And we leave that up to the region as to if they feel this person, you know, can meet the child's needs with everything that we know about the child and and make sure they're going to be safe. Once we give that approval to that other state and they place the child here, we would ask, say, Davidson or whatever region it was, to assign that child for supervision. That's our big thing. We want to make sure somebody is seeing these children, uh, making sure they their education and their epsd and their medicals and making sure the home life is going well too. So, you know, they get placed on caseloads just like our own foster children and they're visited once a month. And each quarter, we do ask that the whoever's the supervising that case sends us a quarterly progress report and we send that to the other states so that they know how the child is doing. And we do, we participate in CFTMs, you know, if the other states have a, they may not call it a CFTM, but if they're having some type of a family meeting or if they need to change their permanency. Plan. You know, or, our, local, our local staff are part of those teams. And again, we're all working for permanent seats at this time. Right. So
0: mm-hmm. so if the child comes into custody in another state like Kentucky or Arkansas, they're still in custody in that other state. But essentially, Tennessee is conducting ongoing case management exactly. services for the child.
1: Exactly. And we're helping. Let's say like they're placed here with a relative, and that relative might need to know hey, how do I get this child counseling services? We may recommend, here, you can do X, Y, and Z. We can assist that family with applying for 10 care or, you know, whatever that they need, to. So we would assist that child, just like if they were still in that state that has custody. And you're right, there's, if they're in foster care in another state, they lie on the responsibility of that other state, but we're that person watching them and making sure that their needs are being met while they're here in our state. You know, and if that's not going well, we want to be sure we let the other state know and know our concerns, and, and we would help. What can we do to make sure that this child is stable in this
0: placement here tonight. Tim care <laughs> and insurance is not your specialty area, but that is something that ICPC assists with, right? Is to try to make sure that the child's health insurance transfers, or that they pick it up in another state. And we have a whole other team that works on that. But I know that you all get the ball rolling.
1: We work very closely with our health advocacy unit, and actually, whenever we have a child uh, that we may be. Placing out of state, we're alerting them so they can already start looking. This this child's need? And so once the child moves, we are again. All- working with them very closely uh, to see what we can do. Every state's a little bit different in how you can apply for, of course here in Tennessee, it's TennCare. Other states are different. Georgia's PeachCare and most other states are Medicaid. So every state's a little bit different. Yes, we reach out to our counterparts in those states and ask for assistance or who we can contact to get that ball rolling. As you said, we're we're definitely not TennCare experts, but we will do everything we can to make sure that all get the services and the insurance and everything.
0: It provides a lot of oversight, and we develop progress reports and those case management services. Just in your office, coordinating all those efforts, what does that look like from where you sit in central office and how it goes throughout the state? How is that structured?
1: I have six staff, and uh, we have one shared email. We have a shared email account, so anybody can send anything to that shared email, even if they just have a question. And we disseminate each of the staff, five of them, actually. Work with certain states. which are really wonderful. They of them works with Kentucky. Um, she's a great working relationship with her counterpart in Kentucky, and she can assist you if you've got questions about Kentucky. So they learn their state, they know their state. Right. One of my staff has only residential facilities, so she would work any residential, coming or, or going, and she can answer any question about those treatment centers. So once we receive requests, we're going to work with the case. If it's a, if it's a Tennessee child, we're going to work with that caseworker. There might be some additional information we know, but we're going to keep that caseworker updated where we're at. We send it to the other state. We're going to make sure the caseworker knows we've seen it. And any time we look for progress, we try to reach out every at least every 60 days. Hey, what's going on? We're looking for a home study. You know, we need to place our child. So we try to keep up with that every 60 days, unless there's something that it needs to be quicker. Uh, if there's a court or something, we reach out at 30 days. So then we're trying to get those back to our workers so that they can make those questions. We're available for CFTs even before. You might send the request in if you just want us to be involved in a CFTM, should just discuss how the placement's going to go, uh, or how to proceed, and you know we're here to answer those questions. So that's what we do. Well, like I said, my staff, we, we cover 2,000 cases. They each have a caseload of about 300 cases each, 3 to 350. If you need any additional training or anything, I'm always here, and you know that. You've always been here with training, so I'm always willing to do the training. We have a lot of things in the works right now for ICPC. so we're working with the regions right now, to maybe have someone identified in the region that we're going to work with and the person will be able to review some ICPC requests even before they get to us so then I can ask some questions those insurance questions that we were talking about good placement decisions a good placement question and so we're, we're kind of rolling that out slowly but we're going to get that out in the next month or two if you're ever curious and need to know information you can always I always say yeah, I go to the DCS intranet and type in ICPC and it'll pop up all the forms are there the manual is a great manual that will walk you through or anything from beginning to end and we are work here for any any questions that is
0: great and yeah. even if the general public is interested in mm-hmm. learning
1: more about icpc
0: and their procedure manual it's on the publictn.gov website if that's something mm-hmm. you're interested in
1: there's also some reference guides on there there's a reference guide icpc for uh, some of the juvenile courts uh, mm-hmm. there's a reference guide for private adoption if somebody is considering uh, placing their child and how those are in there so there's a couple other reference guides also available there for ICPC that anybody can draw down and review and we also work very closely with ICJ. You'll see a reference guide with ICJ and how we work together because sometimes we're working in the same cases. We may have a child that's a foster care child who's placed out of state is you know unfortunately might incur some charges with in replacement or, or whatnot so we work very closely together and we do a lot of trainings together too so ICJ and ICPC we do a training together quite often like so we're all available to, to assist with any of that. Well,
0: I wanted to ask you a professional slash personal kind of question to wrap us up. So, I, I know you have a long career in child welfare and that can be very demanding. What are some ways you practice self-care, Rosie? Well,
1: you know, unfortunately with COVID right now, I've heard a lot of things different. I do, did. I did enjoy really going to the gym and I really had to rethink myself these last few months uh, because I'm telling you sometimes when you're sitting at that computer all day it's like, oh, so now I make myself go outside. I sit outside. I drink a cup of coffee even for a few minutes. And we have a wonderful walking area in my town. I make myself go there in the morning. Uh, even though the hot weather's been a little rough, But uh, I do. I'll go out walking, communicate with my friends and family. And I just have to you know, take breaks for myself because it's, it's a little difficult these last few months, kind of staying in some kind of routine for my own, my own self-care. So I do. And I read a lot. And, you know, the last cruise I was on, I was reading something about adoption. And a gentleman walked every to me asked what I was reading and I, I said something about Georgia Tan who was a social worker back in the 30s and 40s that, did, that really changed our adoption laws here in Tennessee and he looked at me and said you're weird and I thought well maybe you know <laughs> the fact that I do read about adoptions or ICPC or, and keep up with other states and whatnot. I don't know if it makes me weird but that is what I do when I'm not right. here we have to yeah. take
0: those breaks yeah. you know yeah. and then we can bring our best selves to the work thank you for bringing your best self and Thank you for being with us today, Rosie. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Serena. I appreciate you having
1: me. And it was great. Thank you.
0: And so for our listeners, please listen again to hear other wonderful subject matter experts like Rosie Heath discuss ways to advocate for children and to build resilient communities.